0: The English seem to be experts at being outrageous. Men will compete, and it's always men, to put ferrets down their trousers and see how long they can actually survive before the ferrets escape. Coming up, British guides tell us about some of the more unusual
1: festivals and holidays that you'll find in English towns and villages. In Scotland, Jim Malcolm's exploring his country's folk music traditions
2: and adding some pretty great songs to its repertoire. There's always been a a real interest in both the tradition and innovation in the folk scene in Scotland.
1: And for a little retro atmosphere in America, try cruising the back roads of California.
3: If you like your vintage Americana, this is the road trip for you.
1: Chandler O'Leary takes us on an inland road trip past the farms and orchards of the San Joaquin Valley.
3: It's the vegetable basket, it's the fruit basket, it's the nut basket, it's everything.
1: It's all just ahead on Travel with Rick Steves. The country that brought us Monty Python has roots that go deep into the bizarre and unusual. We'll hear how England has fun in a normal year a little later in the hour on today's Travel with Rick Steves. And today's a special occasion as Scottish folk singer Jim Malcolm and his wife Susie join us to explore the traditional music of Scotland, which includes a few of their own songs. If you're ready for a memorable road trip where there's more to explore than freeway rest stops, Chandler O'Leary wants to take you up the U.S. west coast. She joined us a few months ago with tips for driving the Pacific Coast Highway from San Diego to Big Sur, the Redwoods, and the Pacific Northwest Rainforest. She's back to recommend a few of the inland highlights from the desert playground of Palm Springs through the orchards of California's Central Valley, the Old West in Sacramento, and all the way up to my home turf around Seattle. They're detailed in her book, The Best Coast, A Road Trip Atlas. Chandler, welcome back. Thank you for having me. So we talked about the coastal route before. Now we're going to talk about the inland route. Make a case for not taking the coastal route, because I would think everybody wants to go up the coast, Yeah. but you make the inland sound pretty good.
3: I feel like if you like your vintage Americana, this is the road trip for you. And, yeah, you're not going to see the coast until you get all the way up to Washington. But if you're really into things like Palm Springs and mid-century architecture, or old neon signs or roadside attractions, you're going to get tons of that on this route.
1: I love roadside attractions. Publicity stunts from 50 years Of ago, your. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are a few of those that come to mind? Cause I just think they're, they're so funky. Fun. Oh,
3: a really fun one are the old giant oranges that used to be all over California. And there's a couple of them left and they were, they used to be drink stands for, you know, when you were thirsty on the road, you could get fresh California orange juice. Right. And there's still a couple of them left along old highway. Well, there's farm,
1: there's farm country all the way, the, all along the way.
3: Absolutely. In, in yep. all,
1: all three states. So we're going 1600 miles. Yes. And uh, apparently it's the old, isn't it? Is it like the Highway 99? Is that it?
3: It is, yeah. And in California, Highway 99 mostly is still intact, and right. it's even a freeway in some places. Mm-hmm. But once you get into Oregon and Washington because of the mountains, it starts getting a little bit tricky. So, so. you got
1: to kind of pick, cherry pick uh, sections of the old road and then connect with I-5?
3: Yes. It's just like Route 66, how it's kind of been swallowed up by yeah. interstate and places. Because I-5 thing.
1: is, it's sort of the enemy. On the other hand, it's practical because it gets you from A to B in a hurry. Yeah. But so this what's is your philosophy? You're going to go from, you know, you're going basically from San Diego to Bellingham, right? Uh what's your philosophy on the balance between I5 and the old roads?
3: Well, I think you want to use I5 when you want to make good time and take the old roads if you want to have a good time. That's kind of how I look at it.
1: Make good time or have a good time. <laughs> oh, that's good. So let's talk about California. First of all, there's Mexicali on one side of the border and Calexico. And
3: Calexico, yeah. So Calexico is on the Mex, or is on the California side and yeah. Mexicali is on the Mexico side. So that's where our route starts. And are
1: these kind of sister towns in a way? or They anything are, like that?
3: yeah. Unfortunately, there's a big old wall separating them. so you Is can't, it easy
1: to go across or not?
3: No, you have to go through the big international, you know, the big international yeah. checkpoint. Because
1: um, I did that between San Diego and Tijuana it was easy. You just walk across. Yeah,
3: it? I think right now that's not the same as okay. it used to be, but it mm. may be again. I mean, who who knows? Okay.
1: Well, we're starting in Calexico then, and. Yeah. Uh, What's the flavor of Calexico? Is that just a springboard or is there anything to do there?
3: Yeah, um it's a sleepy small town, um, but it's kinda you kinda get the flavor of where you're starting. And you're gonna start out in the low desert, you're below sea level here.
1: Well oh, that's below sea level, but yes. then you come into Palm Springs. And this yes. is sort of like an oasis. Just
3: it is. Describe
1: Palm Springs to us.
3: Palm Springs is is kind of wacky. You know, it got big in the 1950s, so there's a lot of great mid-century architecture there, but it's very glamorous. It's very glitzy. There's a lot of designers there, fashion shows, movie stars. That, that's Isn't it a vast. lot of
1: retirement communities, too? A lot, yes. A lot of snowbirds?
3: It's kind of this weird mix of college spring breakers and right. snowbirds. <laughs>
1: Okay, so you put that on your checklist. And then some, I know in your book you talk about a, a lot of uh, worthy detours, you know. Mm-hmm. And one of your favorites would be Joshua Tree National Park.
3: Yes, Joshua Tree is stunning. And Joshua Tree is actually the high desert. So it's above Palm Springs. It's at altitude. So it has a completely different desert climate, um, different plants, different animals. So but Joshua
1: a- Tree is one of these cartoon book cactus trees. Yeah, right?
3: big cactus tree. Yep. That's
1: just it. Uh, yep. So the Joshua Tree is these classic, kind of quintessential cactus trees.
3: Yes, yes.
1: So what do you do in Joshua Tree National Park? Just look at cactus?
3: There's great hikes. There's actually only those cactus in one small part of the park. It's an mm-hmm. enormous park. So there's different biomes, great rock formations there, beautiful scenery. And
1: driving north, you come to San Joaquin Valley. This would be basically from L.A. to Sacramento, right?
3: Yes, and even beyond. You're, it's called something different beyond there, but it's the same valley. But
1: it's kind of America's food
3: basket. It's the bread ba- Yeah, it's the vegetable basket. It's the fruit basket. It's the nut basket. It's everything.
1: Now, your favorite state park on the whole 1600 mile route, according to your book, is Old Sacramento. Yes. Why?
3: Um, it's sort of a slice of what Sacramento used to be like in the gold rush days. It's got these great old Victorian buildings with pan-painted signs, advertisements on the side of them. Oh, nice. It's very walkable. It's a, it's a pedestrian park, cobblestone streets. It's beautiful. Is it?
1: Old Sacramento, literally? Is it just the Pioneer's Sacramento turned into a park?
3: It's the old um, brick facades and old buildings, old boardwalk sidewalks and things. So, yeah, a lot of original structures there, and it's right on the river.
1: So it feels actually like an honest-to-goodness historic site rather than a commercial gimmick?
3: You know, if it's a little touristy, I would yeah. say, but it's the original buildings, and so yeah. it really feels like the real deal. Cool.
1: Chandler O'Leary is the author of A Fun Guide to the Historic Highways of the U.S. West Coast. It's called The Best Coast, a road trip atlas. Her website is chandleroleary.com, and that's without the apostrophe. Traveling further north, we come to volcano country, and uh, you mentioned there's like a dozen volcanoes along the route. What's your best volcano site on the whole west
3: coast? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, there's so many, um, yeah. but you know, Mount Hood really dominates the landscape. There's Timberline Lodge, which is just at the base of Mount Hood in northern Oregon. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Of course, um, Mount St. Helens is a right. good little detour yeah. from there, but I live in Tacoma, Washington, so I'm partial to Mount Rainier. So you got Mount
1: Rainier. So all those are further north in California. Mount
3: Shasta, Mount Shasta is. Stuff. kind of the the southern end of it. There's also Lassen Volcanic. Last National. time I was
1: driving by there, I just had to stop and sleep in a little town called Weed.
3: Oh, Weed. Yeah.
1: Did you go to Weed?
3: <laughs> I've been through Weed. Yeah. Right there in
1: the shadow of Mount Shasta.
3: It's right there. Yeah. Oh, man. There's some good neon signs there, too, actually. Some
1: good ne- There's some good Weed and Weed. I'm sure there is. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. OK, let's head further north, um, and we're coming into Oregon. And Oregon has, well, we're talking about volcanoes, Crater Lake. That's amazing. And that's a little bit of a side trip. But last time I was driving up Oregon, I took that side trip. And if you've never driven around the crater of a volcano...
3: It's... That was one of the hardest things to draw for this book because you cannot do it justice with either a no, drawing or a photograph. You have to stand there and see it. I've been there once in my life, and I absolutely
1: loved it. It's a kind of a touristy thing. Everybody goes up, and you drive it around, and there's the pullouts to look at it. But yep. it's just jaw-droppingly beautiful. It's
3: incredible, and it's so blue and deep. And if you do the hike down to the shore, what the ranger park rangers will tell you is that it's one mile down and ten miles back up. <laughs> That's
1: good. So take advantage of that one way or another. Now we're coming into some place that... I find very romantic the willamette valley because mm. i'm i 'm charmed by the Oregon Trail and the Great oh, yeah. Western Movement and stuff. What was your impression from the willamette Valley
3: um, The first time I drove the Willamette Valley was actually in the winter and I had just moved to the west coast and i from the midwest where it 's snowy in the winter, and I was shocked by just how green and lush mm-hmm. it is and I fell in love with the Willamette Valley for that, the kind of misty mountains coming through. And they have
1: these, I think they call them century farms, farms that are a century old.
3: Yes, yes. And also they have these huge, massive oak trees that are that oh. are part of this sort of yeah. semi-savanna there. It's so beautiful.
1: This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Chandler O'Leary. She's the illustrator and writer of a book called The Best Coast, A Road Trip Atlas. And in her book, she lays out the best way to travel from the south end of California to the north end of Washington State, the entire west coast. You can go up the coast or you can go up the interior, and we're going up the interior, mostly along the old Highway 99, and from Oregon and the Willamette Valley and the Oregon Trail and Lewis and Clark, we cross the Columbia River and come into Washington State. Chandler, when we think about this trip, you go through some big cities. Mm -hmm. Um, If I think through the whole route, I'm thinking of traffic problems. Yeah, if you're going to hit any traffic jams,
3: uh, Portland and Seattle. Portland
1: and Seattle, right? Yeah. So how do you get around that, or do you?
3: You know, I like to take the surface streets. I like to just get off of the highway and then go through town because you're going to be taking the time to go through traffic anyway, right? Might as well see what the city you has know, to offer. You know, that's
1: brilliant. You could go through right through Seattle on small roads. Yep. And there's little parks along the waterfront. Exactly. And, you can uh, have
3: a cup of coffee. You can, you know, yeah. sit and wait it out till the traffic gets a little so bit better.
1: A pause just before you get to Seattle and figure out what you want to do yeah. in Seattle, and try and to
3: build that in with your day because you know it's going to happen anyway. You might as well like plan that. for it. Yeah. So you
1: go through Seattle, lots to see there. You got the Space Needle, you got Queen Anne Hill, you got the the locks, the Ballard Locks.
3: Oh, I and love taking people to the Ballard Locks. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you got the Fisherman's Terminal.
3: Absolutely.
1: Green Lake. You could walk around Green Lake. Yes. That's a beautiful highlight. Cary so
3: Park has a great view of the Seattleites, city. Seattleites.
1: Whenever we need a nice conversation with somebody, you walk around Green Lake. I, <laughs> yeah. I think it's
3: exactly. Like, it's about an hour
1: Hour walk, yeah. And I love it. And anybody driving through could, it's five minutes off of the the freeway. Easy on,
3: easy off. Easy
1: parking. Yep. And then north of Seattle, we come to Everett and the Boeing tour. And yes. then beyond that, the tulips. And then beyond that, the San Juan Islands. So there's yes. lots to see. You can drive from Seattle up to the Canadian border in less than two hours. But, but there's, there's a so lot to much. see. There's so much. If you haven't been to the Northwest a lot and you're driving north from Seattle, you've got to do it.
3: you y- got to do it. You have that. to. So
1: Anacortes to uh, Friday Harbor, mm-hmm. and it's just a ferry. And you get off and, you know, Friday Harbor is just a delightful town. And then you can catch the ferry back whenever you want. Yes. And you drive further north and you get to this evocative uh, right-hand turn over the North Cascades Highway. Yes. That's one of the great wilderness opportunities. Oh,
3: it is so beautiful. And I I always tell people to do it at the beginning of the fall before they close the road for the year. Because all of the huckleberries and the lichens are turning red for uh-huh. the season, so it is just spectacular. And you
1: can tour Ross Dam up there, which is quite nice.
3: Yes, experience. yeah. Awesome. And you can go all the way to Winthrop if you want to get your yeah. kind of old west town. Well, that
1: whole loop down, uh, what's that, uh, Metal Valley?
3: Yes. Oh, that's, oh, it's beautiful.
1: That makes you want to be a mountain man.
3: Yeah. Or a woman. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> it really wants to stop <laughs> shaving, stop washing and uh, just live and grow your, your turnips and have a, you know, oh, ride a horse. It's I amazing. Know. That's I know. The I ride. have
3: these little fantasies Or like when I go to the islands, I think, oh, wouldn't it be great to live yeah. on the island? A lot of
1: Seattleites retire up in the islands yeah. and they love the community up there. This road trip we've been talking about is about 1,600 miles through the interior of California, Oregon, and Washington. And Chandler, just to wrap things up, I'd, I'd love to, you must have spent weeks doing this uh, trip and writing about it. Mm. What's your favorite moment behind the wheel on this trip?
3: I love it whenever there's a flash of a view that I was not expecting. Like you come around a corner and then all of a sudden, wow! There's this incredible view. And I try not to do too much planning ahead of time if it's a place I haven't been because I want that moment of what's surprise. The, what's an example? Oh gosh. Because all
1: I can remember is Mount Shasta just before weed.
3: That actually, that was one, um, the first time. Mount Shasta! Yeah, the first time I did the trip was actually on, on the train. And it's an overnight train and you wake up at the base of Mount Shasta. So the sun came up and there it is.
1: Nice. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking with Chandler O'Leary and her book is The Best Coast, a road trip atlas to the West Coast. Chandler, thanks a lot.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to hit that organ
4: trail It's coming fall.
1: We'll explore some of the stranger traditions that liven up the calendar in England in just a bit. But next, it's a special studio concert from Scots folk singers Jim and Susie Malcolm on Travel with Rick Steves. Hey, I'm Rick Steves. You can experience my favorite European people, places, and stories in my newest book, For the Love of Europe. Order your copy today at ricksteves.com. Scottish folk singer Jim Malcolm was just wrapping up his annual winter concert tour of the U.S. West Coast as we started to hear that a deadly new virus was starting to spread around the world. Just a few weeks before the global pandemic was declared, he brought his wife Susie along to perform with him. They enjoyed road tripping to concert venues from Southern California to the familiar rains of the Pacific Northwest. Jim and Susie wrapped up their tour with a visit to Our Travel with Rick Steves Studios, just a few blocks from Puget Sound, just a couple weeks before we all had to lock down and wonder what's next. Jim Malcolm defines what it is to be a Scottish troubadour today. He tours frequently to perform his original folk and acoustic songs that often speak of events and emotions coming from Scottish history. All Jim needs is his guitar and a harmonica to engage listeners in a journey into the heather-covered hills of Scotland. And lately, he's been touring and recording with his wife and manager, Susie. Jim and Susie Malcolm join us now in our studio for a wee dram of Scotland and its traditional music. Susie, Jim, thanks for being with us.
5: Thank you.
2: Oh, it's great to be back. Thank you. Jim, how would you describe your music? Scottish folk music. I think Mm -hmm. that would be... I'm fairly straight up and down. Uh, I, I do... I write original songs, but I also play songs that are hundreds and hundreds of years old, lots of Robert Burns songs, Mm -hmm. even older songs than that. Uh, There's always been a a real interest in both the tradition and innovation in the folk scene in Scotland.
1: Now, Susie, I've traveled a lot in Scotland and in Ireland, and Irish trad is a little more in the forefront when you're traveling in Ireland than it is in Scotland. Uh, but whenever I stumble into Scottish traditional folk music, it's a magical evening. How is Scottish and Irish folk music and the tradition different?
5: I think the biggest difference really is that it's easier to find Irish uh, folk and traditional music in the pubs in Mm -hmm. Ireland. There are just more pubs where it's happening. And in fact, it is happening. There are sessions happening all over uh, Scotland, but... There's no very easy way to find it unless you're in Glasgow or Edinburgh where you should be able to find traditional music.
1: If you're in Glasgow, you just go to the West End, right? I mean, it's it's amazing. Is that what it's called,
2: that part of Glasgow with the the pubs, the West End? Almost every part of Scotland has good folk sessions, but it tends to be... A Thursday night here, and then it'll be a Tuesday night over there, and oh, we do this on a Monday night down here, so you need some
1: you, when you check into your bed and breakfast or your hotel, you can ask uh, uh, where yeah. might I find some
2: absolutely yeah, uh, and uh, some of the things have been going on for fifty years, you know i mean it's at right. these sessions it's really very regular, speaking of long traditions, you go to Edinburgh,
1: and there's these music pubs that are just they've been there forever, yes I mean, it's yeah. just that's where you go uh, Whistle Binkies or Absolutely a, a, yes. What are some of the big names in
2: At uh, the Royal Oak. Yeah. Uh, and probably the most famous of all which is called Sandy Bells. Oh, I love
1: Sandy Bells. And yeah. there, there you get it's a little farther walk from the Royal Mile so there's yes. less tourist and a, a local crowd.
2: Yes, uh, it's right in the heart of the university part mm-hmm. of the city uh, and there's always been a lot of uh academics and and you know graduates and postgraduates and all kinds of people uh, who just sort of call into that to that place, and uh, you can end up having a session with some Celtic superstar. You know, yeah. just just at the drop That's of a the hat. Beautiful thing. That's the wonderful thing about uh, yeah. traditional folk music.
1: You know, um, Susie, I was just in Glasgow filming a show, and we went to a pub, and I was all excited because there was going to be traditional folk music, and the band was there, and they're playing great, and and I I started talking to the people in the band, and. One was from England, one was from Wales, one was from Ireland, and one was from two were from Scotland, and I think there was somebody from the continent. And I was disappointed. And they say, "No, this is today's Scottish folk music." Is is there an international sort of fusion going on, or is there a pure kind of this is Scottish musicians?
5: All I could think of to say about that is that every night is different. Right. And and certainly the music pulls people together. And for whatever reason, some people will fall in love with Scottish traditional tunes and they'll want to play Scottish traditional tunes and it won't matter where they came from. And they are uh, different from Irish traditional tunes. Uh, they sound different and eventually you'll tune in and you'll say, oh, that's an Irish tune. Oh, that's a Scottish tune. And uh, I, I think it's, the music that pulls people together. But I wouldn't have thought that that was typical to to go into a Glasgow pub and find, you know, a small number of people all from different nations. Yeah,
1: because that was pretty striking to me because normally uh, you'd expect people have deep roots in Scotland when they're singing their traditional music. Uh,
2: you've just been on a, a tour of the West Coast. And, Jim, how's that been going? It's been tremendous. Uh, we really had uh, a lovely trip. This is the first time that Susie... Has been performing with me. We're now empty nesters, ah, okay. so this has been the first time that Susie has really been able to travel with me.
1: On this trip, uh, was there a particular song you've enjoyed playing uh, that's been resonating with people well? Or I'd like to just hear a, a little. I know Susie and yeah. you harmonise beautifully. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well,
2: maybe, maybe do that, give do a a dose little...
1: of what you've been sharing on the West Coast
2: here. Let's do, let's do a little bit of Fon Kiss." Lovely, uh, romantic. But we were singing this on Valentine's oh, night, so this is this is straight from that that category.
6: Me, dark despair, the nights me. A fond kiss, and then we sever A farewell, alas, forever Deep in heart-drung tears, I'll pledge thee Warring sighs and groans, I'll wear.
1: Just sitting here in a pretty sterile studio, but I closed my eyes and I found myself inhaling for some reason. I was just breathing in and then I thought, and now I would take a sip of that beer and i would be <laughs> I would be completely <laughs> engulfed in the ambiance of that beautiful scottish pub that's a there 's a special um, Magic is kind of a silly word, but there's a sort of a special atmosphere in a pub when the music's right and the company's right and the light is right. It's very
5: dangerous. (laughs) I think it is dangerous.
1: I think it is dangerous, and I love that kind of danger. (laughs) This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're exploring the folk music of Scotland with Jim and Susie Malcolm right now. There are special guests. Jim has been a troubadour folk musician ever since graduating from Edinburgh University. He's recorded more than 50 of his original songs, some of which are based on the poetry of the Scottish bard, Robert Burns. You might recognize Jim's voice from when he sang with the band Old Blind Dogs for more than eight years, and he's been nominated more times than anyone else for Scott's Singer of the Year. Lately, Jim's been recording duets with his wife, Susie, and their latest album is called The Berries. Jim's website is jimmalcolm.com. Jim, that was a straight-out love song, is there a hard history of Scotland that comes across in the lyrics in Scottish music uh,
2: a lot? Uh, That's kind of almost the archetypal love song of Scotland. Uh, There's only one more (laughs) famous love song and that is My Love is Like a Red, Red Rose again by Burns. Ah, Uh, But uh, Burns wrote an incredible amount of songs about an incredible amount of things. Uh, Politics, you know, society, relationships, historical things, uh, all kinds of stuff. And, and he really set a very high bar. And And since then, Scottish songwriters and musicians have explored all kinds of elements of, of our culture and our history. And po- politically, uh, there's a great deal of uh, protest songs in Scotland. There's everything. You know, Susie, one of my the, the powerful moments for
1: me with Irish traditional music is uh, Lament. Is the lament uh, part of Scottish tradition?
5: Oh, yes. We really love a very sad uh, song. We have some beautiful uh, (laughs) laments.
1: A lament would be a cappella by definition, isn't it? Or without music or not? I don't know. Um, Well... I mean, without uh, accompaniment, without an instrument. There
5: are laments played on the pipes, uh, Ah, laments played on fiddle. Uh, There are songs which are laments. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's the
2: lament that you like? We could do a fiddle and bow, which is. Oh, yes. Uh, the, I wrote some lyrics to probably the most famous uh, lament, which is called Neil Gow's Lament on the Death of His Second Wife. Neil Gow's Lament on the Death of His Second Wife, which is quite a, a, that long,
7: <laughs>
1: yes. a long title for a sad, <laughs> sad theme. But yes. I mean, I've got this moment when, you know, you've got this session and every, yes. the, the drums are going and the guitar and the fiddles, and then it's quiet. And a woman sings a solo. Yes. No. Is is that? Would that be your lament moment,
2: or is that what is that? Uh, yes, and and it's a sort of change of energy really in a session. Huge change, yeah. almost intentional. It's like yeah. it's yeah. like calculated to really yeah. to send you. Uh, there was a, a very good uh, chap called Danny Kyle who who's sadly passed away, but he was brilliant at bringing out musicians in a session and saying right you shut up for a while and you sing you know yeah. and he would just create huh. this wonderful sort of sort of stress and release and uh wonderful feelings
5: I also think that's part of what makes a session magical and um, it's usually the case that the lead person playing shifts maybe every tune to another fiddler or a ah, singer yeah. mm-hmm. and that me- and I think everyone in the room is aware of that beautiful ebb and flow that happens in a good session it's and a- so you may be if you're thinking oh that was a rock and reel that was a brilliant reel right now I'm going to sing a lament
1: and that the baton will pass from one musician to the next, and I bet there's a chemistry and a collaboration and a creativity that the musicians are intimately involved in that the casual um, person in the pub would would be very, enjoying but not really get very what, much so what's in happening give us a when you 're in the middle of it all i I get a sense that there's a that's the session. I mean, a lot of people haven't played together before. They're getting to know each other musically. Uh-huh. It's, it's ad lib. You're yeah. you're going down different different yes. paths.
5: I think if you were just to sit in a pub and study the musicians, you would notice that the lead musician is changing, right. and so maybe the next person's going to play in a different key, and it just changes the mood entirely. Uh, and then um,
1: and probably sometimes it works and sometimes it's not. It doesn't quite work so well, Well, you know the, the chemistry there, the musical chemistry.
5: When the background of the thing is that everybody's drinking nice beer and having a good time, they <laughs> sometimes chatting to people so they're yeah. not really listening. Yeah. It, it, it has a real um, changing energy level uh, throughout the whole room. And I've rarely really been in a session that wasn't working wasn't on working. some level. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's so... As a tourist, as a traveler, this is what I do is I, you know, help people travel. And we're just pretty much voyeurs in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. One opportunity to really connect with a culture is enjoying a, a session uh, in a pub in Scotland. Uh, part of it might be the beer. Uh, part of it might be the the, the welcome you get. Uh, but, you know, you're right there. You're not, you don't feel like a tourist anymore. I. You make friends. You're in yeah. real conversations. Uh, the music engulfs everybody. And it's... Um, It's a huge, um, opportunity to have great travel experience when you're in Scotland.
2: Uh, Also, Rick, it's an opportunity for you to do something as well. Because if you wanna, if you've got a song to sing. Yeah. Then you can just say, excuse me, can I sing a song now? And they'll go, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. absolutely. And, and then you'll sing a song and and you'll probably get a, a huge round of applause and somebody will buy you a drink and, so that is no, so that's true. You've got to get yeah. out. You, you, after <laughs> dinner, you've got to go to find a
1: pub. And, it's and yeah. uh, you know, I think some of it is, to a certain degree, the, the tourism is helping keep it alive with the business it brings and everything. You go to Inverness, there's always a couple of pubs going on with great music and half the f- people there are tourists. I think yes.
5: Scotland's finally waking up to how uh, important that is and how helpful it will be to our tourist industry if we can uh, Better advertise where the sessions are happening, oh, and I don't mean in Edinburgh and Glasgow because right. they're quite easy. But outside yeah. of those cities, um, there are great pubs now in Inverness, and I think we need to roll out that model across Scotland so that people can reliably find the music. And I completely agree with you about uh, how that sort of you find the heart and soul of Scotland in a pub.
2: Yeah. You do
1: now. Have yeah. you have you guys performed at the uh, Edinburgh Fringe Festival?
2: Yes, yes. Tell ten, me what many that's times. like, because I mean, you got the 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 formal festival. Yes, but the fringe festival is more of a festival. It's of enormous. Yeah. it's enormous, and there are something like a thousand different shows on a day. Yeah, and uh, a lot of them are are done by student groups uh, and they're they're out in the streets sort of touting and trying to get people to come to their shows and they'll sort of fly. Sometimes and... it feels like there's more musicians than there are uh, uh, yes. an audience and yeah. it's a fun loving atmosphere and yeah. it's just like let's celebrate all of this music and uh, And not just that, I mean you can go to sort of formal shows but the quality of the street theatre during the festival is so high. You can actually yeah. just go and, and enjoy people playing on the street. I was like a little kid in a, like a ball in a in a
1: pinball machine, bouncing yeah. from one great act to the next, yeah. it was just there was stuff combusting everywhere. Mm-hmm. All you need is a, is a hotel or a, a bed somewhere, and you
2: can enjoy the festival yes. for many days. And it's had a very, very important role in comedy in Britain. The Edinburgh Festival is where all the great British comedians have cut their teeth.
1: We've got more with Jim and Susie Malcolm in just a moment. And we'll hear about some of the eccentric traditions their cousins in England are eager to get back to before long. You'll find more about our guests online at ricksteves.com slash radio. We're delving into the folk music traditions of Scotland right now on Travel with Rick Steves with Jim and Susie Malcolm. Jim also specializes in putting the words of the beloved Scots poet Robert Burns to music. I'd like you to just kind of give me a... A quick montage of some representative dimensions or styles of Scottish traditional music.
5: Okay, Okay, we will start on the East Coast with a song from the fishing tradition. Uh, This is a a call to young women to come and uh, jump on a train and go and gut fish in
1: England. (laughs) Go and gut fish in England, let's go.
5: lassies, it's come away wi me. Be Karen, Bog, and Kemby, and Bea, and Veralachie, be Bucky, and be Aberdeen, and all the country, and We're a Wattie, got the head, and We're a Wattie, and a two. You rise up in the morning, we a bundle in your hand. Be at the station early, or you'll surely hate to stand. Take twenty to and a kettle for your tea, or you'll maybe die of hunger on the way to Yermit Key. The journey
6: it's a longing it takes a day or and, and when you reach your lodgings, it's soon to sleep you'll fall. But your eyes is at five, with asleep sleep, sleep still in your knee. You're a want to find the garden yards along the Yermit, Yermit Key.
1: Nice. Okay, I'm going to England to make some serious money. <laughs> <laughs> What's another one?
5: Well, should we play a bit of a lament?
6: I love, uh, yes. Okay. This is uh,
5: Jim's song that he wrote um, using the tune uh, Neil Gow's Lament on the Death of His Second Wife, which is a much-loved lament from fiddle music.
6: Bend my hoose in the nook Where the bran nears the tay my Mahung Barnum's great oaks on a long summer's day While salmon lie still In water bee. Lo, I will mind on your tune As I ticked in my bow And it brings harmony To the air that I On the day you were taken away All around me is beauty Bright bird's song and plenty A drum of good whiskey By a warm fire's glow Scarlet fruit fill the guillotine but nay joy comes to me for you and me maggy were fiddle and bold. I can
1: imagine that being very effective in changing the energy level and the the atmosphere in a pub right in the middle of a high powered session.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely.
1: So beautiful I lament. The music and traditions of Scotland are alive and well as we're hearing from Jim and Susie Malcolm right now on Travel with Rick Steves. When they're not touring to bring their music to the world, they make their home in Perthshire, where Jim has been seen fly-fishing in the River Tay. What's another?
5: Well, let's sing something from the farming tradition as I was uh, brought up on a farm in Aberdeenshire. So I'll sing you a bit of a bothy ballad. The bothy is where the unmarried men would bunk together... uh, on a farm.
1: Okay, so, so this, a whole it, musical it's tradition. It's a, dorm, a came dormitory out. for the farm boys.
2: Yes, oh, okay. it's a bit
5: like bunkhouse uh, cowboy songs.
2: All right, very similar tradition. Yeah, lots of young men together, no entertainment other than their own, their own singing. Not enough girls. <laughs> All the songs are about girls, <laughs> right? <Yeah. enough>. Okay. <laughs> Buffy.
5: As I come in by a third and forty to get a fee T'was there I met with Jamie Brune and there we did agree dum a hi dum do, a-hi-dum-day hi dum a little, dum dum day So I agreed with Jamie Brun in the year 091 To gang him and call his second pair and be his or a man
6: dum a hi dum do, a-hi-dum-day
5: Hi, dum a little, a day He said, I'm the gaffer o' oh, the place And that's the mistress there And if you
6: want some bread and cheese You'll surely get your share Dum-a-hi-dum-day Hi, dum-a-dum-day day i a little,
5: day I get tee the stable, my peery portive, t- and fixed they wear a dandy pair of chestnut
6: under blue. The mahide um, do a hide a hide little, the mahide
1: Nice, thank you. I can just, uh, I can see the farm boys there. <laughs> I can just, I can imagine. It's nice to get the context. Do you set yeah. that up when you're performing? I, I uh, imagine. Well,
2: that's truly really interesting because it actually mentions the the year. Uh, 18... Yeah,
5: that, very unusually, that uh, song mentions the the year eighteen ninety one, ah. uh, which is right bang in the middle of the um, the sort of era of the Bothy Ballad.
6: Okay,
1: I have this sense that you both really have a love of Scotland, your homeland. Is there
2: one song that really speaks to, like, from your heart about your love of your country? Well, we live on the River Tay uh, in Perth, and upstream uh, is a big lake or loch that the Tay emerges from. And there's a beautiful song called Loch Tay Boat Song, and it's about a young man who's rowing across this uh, wonderful, beautiful, a bit glass, water's glass and the mountains are blue and stuff. But his heart is broken because he has been spurned by the Nian Rue, the girl with the red hair. So this is Jim and Susie Malcolm, the Loch Boat Boat Song. song,
6: As I've done my work of day And I roll my boat away Down the waters of Loch As evening light is fading And I look upon Ben Laws, When the afterglory glows And I think on two bright eyes And a melting mouth below She's my beauteous me She's my joy and sorrow too And although she is unto Well I cannot live without her For my heart's a bolt in tow. And I'd give the world to know Why she means To let me go as I sing huddy huddle. Wow. Jim,
1: you are so good on that guitar, but I got to say, your voices, when they come together, you and Susie, (laughs) you you guys were destined to sing together. I just love the way you harmonize. We
2: actually met uh, at a kind of open mic folk night, a bit like a session, and Uh uh, we both sang and. We just so thought, yeah. "Hey, let's get
1: let's <laughs> get let's get it let's together." Get it together. <laughs> well, your latest album is "The Berries," and uh, mm-hmm. you people can learn more about your music at your website, JimMalcolm M A L C O L M dot com. Susie and Jim, thanks so much, and best wishes with your music.
2: Thank, Thank you. It's been wonderful to appear on your show. Thank you. Let's do it again. Yeah.
1: Jim Malcolm has recorded more than a dozen solo albums. His CDs, called The Berries and Spring Will Follow On, feature duets with his wife Susie. There's more on his website, including concert tour dates, at jimmalcolm.com. There's a slightly eccentric side to England that you might be lucky enough to stumble on next time you're exploring the English countryside. If you time it right, you might see the grown-ups playing King of the Hill and tug of War in the Cotswold Olympics a competition that's brought rich and commoner together on a level playing field, so to speak, for more than 400 years. Fun and games can also teach you a thing or two about British history. To explain, we're joined now by Blue Badge tour guides Jillian Chadwick, Roy Nichols, and Tom Hooper. It's a pleasure. <laughs> so when you guides think of quirky traditions in Britain that a tourist might stumble upon, that really just knocks them over. What's a good example of something quintessentially English that you can see in the countryside. Gillian? Well,
7: they could be in the Cotswolds during the time of the Cotswold Olympics, which uh, is an eccentricity that we all love. Uh, been going for hundreds of years, uh, although they were closed down during the time of Oliver Cromwell, who didn't like people having fun, and also the Victorians. Um, and one of the highlights is shin-kicking. You have to prepare for your shin-kicking by... Hitting your own shin with a wooden block to harden it up. And then during the actual games, you kick your opponent's shin with uh, nail topped boots. Whoa. Uh, and the one it's who collapses. Short, first. It's a short battle, I would think. I would have thought so, yes, yes. <laughs>
1: are any of the, Roy, are any of these uh, Olympics from the Cotswolds still going? Oh, they, oh, they yes. go. Oh, yes, yes. Yes. It's, yes. A, it's oh, an, yes. an annual thing or something? Yeah, it's an, an annual thing. thing so what are, what are some other uh, events you might find at the Cotswold Olympics?
0: Oh tossing the sheep is one. <laughs> tossing the <laughs> sheep. Tossing the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a real a sheep. It's actually a big sack full of straw and they have to toss it using a, a pitchfork okay. over a high bar, a bit like oh. high jumping, but without without jumping, without, <laughs> jumping. without
7: jumping, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, sheep, the
1: sheep does the... Tom, is there another uh, example of the Olympics? What about the ferret thing? I've heard that in, in the consuls, they have these wild well, it's not animals. just in.
0: it's not just... The ferrets are those small weasel-like animals they use for yes. hunting rabbits teeth. and things. Sharp teeth. Um, Sh- and very claws. sharp claws. And what did they used to do? Well, they, they're for hunting rabbits and things, but as a joke more than anything else, it's not an old tradition. Uh, men will compete, and it's always men, to put ferrets down their trousers and see how long they can actually survive um, before the ferrets escape, or they go madly insane. So they tie their cuffs so the ferret can't squirm <laughs> out of the right. box. <laughs> they tie the, 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 the bottoms the of their trousers and then put them down the front of their trousers. Is this a way but to the, impress women? Is this like medieval flirting? I don't it think it work. impresses I women.
1: Think <laughs> it might, <laughs> I think it <laughs> might <laughs> depress <laughs> women, actually. <rather> than <laughs> so I didn't realize these Cutswold Olympics were like a, a regular thing. Oh, yeah, as as travelers, yeah. where might we see it? How do we know
0: to find this?
7: Uh, if you go to Chipping Camden, there are signs up advertising when
0: they'll be on. And it's always in June, um, around midsummer. So what else? What else might somebody bump into? Well, something you'll see all the time, of course, is Morris dancing. Now, there's great debate about the history of this. <laughs>
7: He's obsessed with Morris dancing. I, I, but you see them everywhere. I see them. You do, I, I do. And, it, and it's in although, the most unlikely places. He wants to introduce it on the London So, tour. first of
4: all, describe
1: a Morris dancer, Roy. What, um, what are you gonna, how do you know it's a Morris dancer?
0: Historically, well, they're always dressed in white. And they're Sometimes, men? Well, men, certainly men. But more recent times, the last 20, 30 years, there's um, troops of female dancers as well. OK. There's great debate about its age, and certainly there's no reference no literary reference before the 14th century and it almost died out just after but, the industrial revolution but these are quite
1: they always seem kind of feminine to me they're they're sort of jolly they're jumping up and down well the we like to think well, it reflects the
0: english character
1: okay uh, yeah. but they are very That's traditional crazy, dances yeah. my my image it, is sort of like Almost, you know how, how Scottish dancers dance on their toes up and down? It's almost like that, but with tambourines and and, 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 bells. and, and bells on their ankles. Yeah. It's, and
0: are these guys available for hire, a little troop of more yes, dancers? Yeah, you're absolutely. having a wedding, you have them come to your wedding? Usually
7: at or... p- rum pubs, yeah. though. Um, and, okay. and
0: you'll find them throughout the year, but of course, the main season really is from April through to uh, but, the but end of the summer. But you're saying there's no historic significance to them? Well, there is. There what, is. What is the there history? is references to, to at least... The 14th century. Okay, so they go way back. They say that the word Morris is a corruption of Moorish. In other words, it's so foreign that it was alluded to be of, of Middle Eastern origin, although they do think that, in fact, it is medieval European folk dancing. Which also
4: comes into their costume as well. That's right.
0: Because they have these Moorish-style Yeah, there's sort of uh, Arabian, yes. a little
4: bit of a whiff of Arabia yes. there. Yeah. What about Guy Fawkes? We hear a lot about Guy Fawkes, and, and you've got this yeah. big Guy Fawkes bonfire night. Remember, something. remember the 5th of November, gunpowder, treason, and plot. Tell, Tell me what that's th- all about. Um, November 1605, gunpowder is found underneath Parliament. So Guy Fawkes wanted to blow up Parliament. It allegedly, he and his followers wanted to blow up Parliament when the king was going to open Parliament. I uh, know. That is James I. So the king was going to open yes. Parliament. And why would somebody want to blow up Parliament because of that? It was thought, allegedly, to be a Roman Catholic plot. Oh, it was a Catholic against the yes. Protestants running the country of that England. That was allegedly the... Accusation. And uh, today, you remember this. Are you celebrating Guy Fawkes? Are you is demonizing, com- is him? Is commemora- demonizing him? It's commemorated. commemorated, and he is burnt. Okay, so it's a it's an excuse to have a big burning. You have a you have a bonfire, and theoretically, you correct this guy.
0: And it really is a reminder of the those religious conflicts of the 16th and 17th centuries. In some places, well, most places, it is just Guy Fawkes. Down in Lewis in Sussex, still the uh, they still burn an effigy of the Pope. Mm. Oh, it is, that, So it has uh, that uh, serious yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh,
1: religious it does. Uh, and it's hunger. very Although controversial. What else, what else would be fun uh, to stumble into that we travellers should know about in England?
7: Oh, well, there's another custom in the Cotswold area, which is uh, rolling a big cheese down the hill, and men, of course, no women would do it, uh, run down the hill after it. A competition. Yes.
1: So these are big cheeses. How, b- how big of a round of cheese are you talking?
7: It's a double Gloucester. It's, what, about clock, si- well, clock, yeah, uh, clock so
0: about size? Yeah, clock size. size of a tire? A, a, not as, no, big
1: not as, as big as no, that. Not as big as about no. half the size. Half that. the size of a tire. So yeah. you roll this down the hill. And
7: they charge down the hill after. And they tried to stop it a few years ago, health and safety.
1: Stop the cheese? Uh,
7: no, <laughs> yeah. Stop, stop, the, it was
1: the,
6: stop end the, of the race. Wedge. Because of health and safety, what, yeah. would, what would be the concern?
7: Well, because people break legs and arms and ankles. Well, it's and like fell
6: running. And... Yes. Is it, it's, it's related to it's, fell running.
1: Yes. yes.
0: So, a yeah. fell. What is a fell? It's a mountain or a hill. A
1: mountain. So, running across the mountains.
0: Yeah. It's just Up a, and down. They, they have a prescribed course. They'll start in, in a village or down in the valley, run to the very top of the peak, and then back down again. And of course, it's a first past the house. That's post, so fun. I, I, was so, a, I
1: was at a clan gathering in Scotland last year, and everybody's doing their basic stuff, you know, tossing the caber and the dancing and everything. And then they blow a whistle, and all these guys, young and old, run out of the stadium or run out of the field, and then they're gone and yeah. You don't see them for a long time, but they're running up to the top of the peak, overlooking the
4: festivities, and then, assuming they don't break their ankle, they will run all the way back down and, and see who's the winner. And some of them are now adding at th- uh, the end swimming as well. You have to you know, okay, it's, so it's sort of like an you, Iron you Man. Know, you thing. jump into an ice cold. <clears throat> and in Gloucestershire, you add the r- wheel of cheese yeah. to this
1: whole mix. Mm-hmm. This is travel with Rick Steves. We're talking traditional English customs with our guides Tom Hooper, Gillian Chadwick, and Roy Nichols. What about pancake
0: races? Well, this takes place on Shrove Tuesday, um, when people race with pancakes. But what they will do is they'll have a, sh- a relatively short course, sometimes just They're a field Just carrying a pancake, or is well, in, in pan? a frying pan, so in a frying pan. Yeah. pan, and, and, you're and to tossing
7: it.
1: Oh, toss- you've got your pan and yes. you're tossing yeah. it in the air. Yes, yes.
4: What a spectacle! And with a bit of luck, it lands on your opponent. No, yeah. it's supposed to land in your pan. So this is Shrove Tuesday. Tuesday. That's part of the whole month. Easter, yeah, Easter, yeah. Easter, yeah. Easter, yeah. Easter sort of festival Just just before Ash Wednesday, isn't it?
0: Yes, originally it was a way of using up all the rich ingredients and having one big feast before. And this this would have been quite a
4: special thing as well in the old days, you know. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about special things in the old days that are alive to this very
1: day and that as travellers we can enjoy with the help of a good guide. And we've been joined by three great guides today for this discussion, Roy Nichols, Gillian Chadwick and Tom Hooper. Thank you so much. and. I'll see each of you in England sometime pushing a big wheel of cheese <laughs> down a hill yes, or kicking shins or maybe even drop out a ferret down my back. <laughs> right? We could do all three with you. <laughs> all three at the same time. Now that would be a spectacle. Thanks a lot and happy travel. Thank you, Rick.
7: You're you. welcome.
1: Travel with Rick Steves is produced at Rick Steves Europe in Edmonds, Washington. I'm your producer, Tim Tappen, and our team includes Isaac kaplan Wulner,
4: and Kazmaier Hall. Amara Kipnikone uploads the show to our website, Sheila Gerzoff handles affiliate relations, and our theme music is by Jerry Frank. Share an
1: impression or a surprise from your travels with us in the form of a haiku poem. We might even read it on the air someday. There's a form to submit yours on the radio page of our website at ricksteves.com slash radio. And we'll look for you again next week with more Travel with Rick Steves. Hey, I'm Rick Steves. In my latest book, For the Love of Europe, I share the highlights of a lifetime of exploring Europe. My favorite experiences, sights, and encounters in a hundred essays. If you love Europe, too, this is four decades of greatest hits in 400 pages, made to order to stoke your travel dreams. You can order your copy of For the Love of Europe at ricksteves.com.